podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello and welcome to AI Scouted on Anfield Index Pro. I'm Dave Hendrick, joined as always by the returning from Brazil, Mr. Carl Matchett. How are you, sir? Tudo bem, obrigado. I have none of your fancy shit on this. It's a good gammon and gravy podcast. I have none of that fancy stuff on here. My apologies. Sean Dyche is banana. He says, you're, he says you're far too fancy for all of it. <laughs> it was very, very good. Thank you. And uh, I am well. How are yourself? I'm good. I'm good. I, I had a, a positive uh, meeting with the surgeon on Tuesday, so all is well. Thank all you. is well. I did have an argument with a courier uh, about half an hour ago who came to my house to deliver a package for somebody else who I don't know. And when I told him where I thought they might live, he told me, well, I'm not going back down that road. I'm going the other way. So can you take it and drop it down to him? Uh, To which I said, no. We had an argument over that. I closed the door. He then tried to leave it on my doorstep. And when I went back out to ask him what he thought he was doing, he said, well, I'm going to text him and tell him, I'm going to text him and tell them it's on, it's at your house. And I said, no, you're not going to do that either. And then we had another row, and then I threw it into the back of his van and sent him on his way. So I assume it's been left with one of the other houses on the lane without their consent. Delivery uh, companies fastway couriers do, do fucking better. Huh? I said delivery companies do things differently in Ireland. They do. They do. Uh, they shouldn't. Most of them don't. But this crowd, this crowd are hilariously bad. Hilariously bad. Right, uh, we are here today to talk about Liverpool versus Manchester City in the Premier League after the international break that was largely a waste of everybody's time. Liverpool will take on City in an, in an early kickoff on Saturday. Carl, Liverpool don't do well in early kickoffs. Um, or the Premier League. Or the FA Cup, or the League Cup, or the Champions League. <laughs> um, mm. Ooh, which part of the barrel should we scrape today to make this one sound like we could do a thing? We've been good against good clubs. I think that's where the direction we're going to have to go here. Our, our better performances have been reserved for the better teams, or the teams who are at least performing better in the league than we are. So I think that's where we kind of have to cling on to with whatever we've got left this season of fingernails, fingertips, or whatever else. But um, I, I don't think this is going to be a fixture which fills too many fans with confidence. The earliness, the after the international break, which we are notoriously shit with as well, uh, the fact it's Man City, and the fact that, quite honestly, I don't know that anybody wants this season to continue at this point. 
I agree completely. I think everybody would happily just take this season ending and begin the process of trying to rebuild this team. Uh, it, it does need significant rebuilding. I don't imagine we'll get anything like the rebuild that's actually needed this summer. Speculation continues to grow about Jude Bellingham. Uh, we know that the club are also interested in Mason Mount and Matthias Nunes. It doesn't fill me with joy, though I do obviously like each of the players individually. And I think if you got Jude and Nunes, that could be really good as your eights, either side of a new number six. Uh, I don't really like the fit of Jude and Mount in a three. I, in fact, I, I don't like it at all. But I do think they could work in a diamond or a box midfield, but that then creates other issues with other players. So, you know, there's that. There's the fact that the defence needs work. We could just do with this season being over because it has been a season of failure. And people try to spin it as a season of transition. There are two factors that negate any claims of a season of transition. The first being nobody talked about it being a season of transition before the season. The majority of the press, the fan media, told us that we would be banging the mix for the major honours, that this team had almost won everything last season and would be right back there competing again this season, laughed at the idea that we didn't do enough in the transfer market, and only really came up with the season of transition line after about six or eight games when it became clear that this season was going the wrong way. And the other point with a season of transition is that transitions are planned and transitions have a plan of where it will end, a, a, you know, an end game. This has none of, the, of, of those things. This wasn't planned. There's no clear path to where this ends. Next season is likely going to have to be a season of transition because the squad needs so much work. And because most of it won't be done in one season, the following season might also be a season of transition as Klopp tries to build Liverpool 2.0. So we may well be writing off three seasons in a row, which would be four out of five in the primes of Salah, Virgil, Alisson and Thiago, which really is not good planning or or sensible. Um and it, it just for me. I don't know about you, but for me, I I'm not confident about the next three to four years around this club because I don't trust that what's needed will be done. I think what we'll do is what we've always done, which is try and cut corners and do things, do the bare minimum required, if if that's the right phrase. Are you that person who has everything? The coolest merch and those must-have fan threads? Well, over at our Anfield Index shop, we've gone that extra mile when it comes to pimping up your Liverpool collection. From our popular range of bespoke design T-shirts, sweaters, hoodies and hats, to our signature edition mugs, prints and coasters, all provided with fast worldwide shipping. We have something for every red. We also stock official LFC merchandise, and are licensed with the Premier League and UEFA to sell official iron-on shirt badges and sleeve patches. As a listener to this podcast, 
you can get 10% off everything with coupon code AIPRO10. Just head over to AnfieldIndex.shop or find us on Etsy by searching for Anfield Index. Yeah, I think in terms of transfers, that's what we're likely to get this year, this summer. Maybe like, say two that we really need just to keep plugging gaps and keep sticking plasters and replace a few faces going. But it needs a bit more of a, or it needs quite a lot more of an overhaul and it needs quite a lot more doing than that. So I wouldn't be surprised if we sign, I don't know, let's say five players, but they're not all going to be first teamers. They're going to be, you know, a younger player and maybe a squad player like a Simicus coming in, that kind of thing. So I don't think we're going to do as much as we need to do now. And I do think that it'll be a, a two season turnaround here. And there's no guarantee that at the end of the two seasons, we're back to where we were, by the way. Oh. Lots and lots of things have to go right in that. By the end of that two seasons, Thiago's probably gone. Mo will be 33. Virgil will be 34. Virgil won't be a part of the strongest team by that point. And if he is, we've done the transition wrong. And this is the point. Like This is why we we may not see Liverpool compete for the major honours again under Jürgen. Maybe, maybe the Champions League, because we have traditionally been a better cup team league team under him in terms of you know how well we've done in getting to three finals but I mean it's it's just very hard to look at the next few years and be really positive I've said it before I think Jürgen's the best manager in the world to to build a team on a budget I think he's a really bad fit when it comes to a sell to buy rebuild um, because he just doesn't want to let go of players. He, 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 by his own admission, doesn't want to ever tell a player that they have no future at the club. Uh, that's not cool, apparently. Um, and, like, look, Sadio should have been sold two years before he was. Mo should have been sold in 2021. Henderson should be gone. Milner should be gone. Fabinho probably should have been sold on last summer. Andy Robertson probably should have been sold on last summer. Like Virgil and Ali are the two pillars that I would have kept because I think a centre-back like Virgil can extend his career well into his mid-30s. Uh, goalkeepers, especially goalkeepers like Alisson, you tend to age quite well. You look at what Manuel Neuer is still capable of at, 20, at 36. Um, but I mean, the rest of it should have, been, should have been changed. Trent is obviously the other one that you keep because... Of his age and the fact that you know he came through the academy, he's he's a, a homegrown lad. But there should have been much more drastic changes, and obviously the changes that we have seen have largely been off the pitch. We've seen Michael Edwards leave; that was hugely damaging to the club. Julian Ward will now leave, and we'll have to search for another director of football. Um, Ian Graham is leaving now; he's going to be replaced internally. And Will Spearman is super intelligent, but he's not Ian Graham. Ian Graham has been doing what he does for well over a decade. It'll be new to Will Spearman to run that department and have a, a, a wider brief. So we'll see how that all works out. Um, so yeah, all things considered, I'm, I'm not overly optimistic about how things go. Now, people will say, oh, well, if we buy Jude for 100 million, you can't ask much more. That's the type of short-term, small-minded thinking that has us in this mess that we're in now. Because in the... Some are just gone. We signed Darwin for a whole bunch of money, but when you look at the bigger picture, we didn't actually spend a whole lot of money in the summer, and we didn't do nearly enough. So, uh, you know, you, you can't ask for more. You can't ask for more than, say, 
Jude, Mount and Evan and Dicker. And then a couple of kids or someone on a free and a kid. That to me is, is not doing what's needed. And I do wonder if Jürgen is the manager to do this. I, I, I don't know that he is. We've never seen him successfully rebuild a team. So it's new to him as well. And he's going to have to prove that he's capable of doing it. He's got a contract for another three years after this one. I don't see a circumstance in which these owners would ever dismiss him, no matter what happens. So if he is to go, it will be probably by his own volition and it would probably take another stinker of a season. But even then, he might not want to go. So we could end up in in a weird situation where we have a manager who's not up to the task of rebuilding the team, a team that's not up to the task of competing, and owners who are unwilling to make changes or spend what's necessary. And we'll be good, but not good enough. And we'll be kind of in that late era Arsenal under Wenger thing where, you know, finishing fourth was seen as a trophy. And this is now two seasons out of three where we're being conditioned to think that if we get top four, that makes for a successful season given what's gone on, but what's gone on is of our own making for the second season out of three. Yeah, I mean, it's not a pretty picture, I suppose, the way that you're speaking about it that way, but it is kind of accurate as to where we will be. Um, And I do think, actually, what I think there's a little bit more reason for optimism in terms of the Champions League. I do think if we get, let's say, three right in the summer you could really make a good uh, case for Liverpool being Champions League favourites, or among them at least, because other teams are well off it this year as well. But there's still three you have to get right, and you're relying on them not necessarily increasing their own squads a lot, which, again, could still be the case. So there's too many things at play at the minute to say we will be competitive or won't be, but there's so That's a question, that. that's the thing, and it shouldn't be a question is my point. It should be a, a definite that we will be competitive to win the league, to win the Champions League, and we just don't know either way. And it's the uncertainty. Like, if we were just flat out bad, I think it would be easier to take. You know, it's when you should be better than you are, that's when things are tough to take. Like, that's why when we look at Virgil and Trent and others this season, it's very tough to put up with the performances that they're turning in knowing that they're much better. If our right-back was Glenn Johnson and he was turning in this season, you'd just think, well, that's a normal Glenn Johnson season. That's what he does. He's, he's average a lot of the time. He has a lot of poor games and some, bad, some, some good games. His effort ebbs and flows because he doesn't necessarily portray himself as the most competitive of people. Um, if our left-side centre-back was Martin Skirtle and he was having this season, you'd say, well, you know, it's, that's, it's an okay Martin Skirtle season. He has a good season and a bad season and a, ba- a good season and a bad season, and then that's kind of what he is. But when you know that these players are capable of so much more, and you know that the manager's capable of so much more, and you know that issues are self-inflicted, that, for me, that's where it gets very difficult to accept what we're seeing this season. Hello, I'm here to annoy you. I'm here to annoy you into listening to more of me and more of others on EPL Index. 
we don't just have the Anfield Index stuff. We've got EPL Index as well, which covers the entirety of the Premier League. And we have three podcasts and a whole bunch of really good writing on EPLindex.com. The podcasts are my own two-footed podcast, which is every day at 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, covering the whole league. We have a Tad Predictable hosted by Tadiwa. You know Tadiwa. He does Anfield Index. He presents a Tad Predictable before every Premier League match week. And then Kevin DeVries and his crew on the EPL Roundtable there every week after the Premier League match week. So make sure you listen to everything we're doing on EPL Index and follow us there on Twitter at EPL Index. Thank you. Bye-bye. Yeah. Yeah, I can't really argue with any of that. It's the inconsistency that I don't like at all. And, you know, we've spoken on after loads of matches this year on Raw and everything about the individual lack of effort at times or lack of aggression at times or lack of concentration at times. And it just goes on and on. And it's that unknowing whether those individuals get back to the levels they were previously, even before we start talking about the regeneration of the squad. Yeah. And you mentioned about, you know, earlier uh, in a different context, about teams that are performing better than us this season. You'd obviously look at the five teams above us and say, well, they've performed better than us this season. That's why they're above us. Arsenal, City, United, Tottenham and Newcastle. And like, let's be fair, Tottenham have been crap. And they've sacked the manager while you've been away. I assume (laughs) you left the country while he was getting sacked so that he didn't call round before he went back to Italy. But they've all performed better than us this season. I think Brighton, Brentford and Fulham, relatively speaking, have performed better than us this season as well. Because Brighton have, because they've got the same points from less games. Brentford have the same points from a game more. But the expectation of what we can do and what they can do are very different things. And then Fulham are three points behind with a game more played. But again, new to the league, Seen by many as a team that could potentially get relegated, but they're going to stay up comfortably. I think relative to expectation, they've performed better than us as well. So I would say we're the ninth best performing team in the league this season relative to what we thought would happen at the start of the year. Yeah, which is rubbish. Let's be honest, that's that's not anywhere. No, that's literally purgatory. That's literally buried. You're not getting into Europe. You're not going down. You're not even getting the excitement of a relegation scrap. So, yeah, I mean, it is just it, it is just a pain in the hole. Um, on top of the um, Mason Mount and Jude Bellingham speculation, I mentioned Evan and Dicka, Carl. And I wanted your thoughts on him. Dave Maddock, who is trying to break his 19-year streak of not getting anything right when it comes to Liverpool Football Club claims that Liverpool are strongly interested in the French defender who plays for Eintracht Frankfurt. He's available on a free, which I assume is where some of the interest comes from. I think if we sold Joel Matip and signed him, I actually think it makes our centre-back situation worse than it currently is. For two main reasons. Number one, he's not good in the back four as a centre-back always struggles whenever Eintracht ask him to play in a four. He's good in a three to an extent and I think he'd be a good left back in a four. I've seen him play there before and he always looked solid and he's good carrying the ball forward. Not a great passer but he's he's decent. 
He could give you that Eric Abidal type of left-back who can tuck in with the centre-backs and form a three in possession, allowing Trent to bomb forward, which, if we wanted to change things a little bit, could be an option for us. But the other reason I think it would make us worse, Carl, is he's only a left-sided centre-back. He's not going to play on the right for us. Which means that if Matip goes, Gomez becomes the backup to Ibu. Gomez is more injury-prone than Matip, and I don't think he's as good as Matip. As, as poor as I think Matip has been for a year, I would still trust Joel Matip to come into the team over Gomez. And given Ibu is the starter there and he has injury issues, that backup is going to play a significant amount. So I think we're weakening the right side centre back spot, not making the left back spot left left side centre back spot any better. Because I don't think Andik is better than Gomez in a four. I just I don't see the logic in that type of move for us. If he was the backup left back and the fifth centre back, then I could get on board with it. But I I, I don't want to see Joe Matip go and just him come in. No, I think there has to be two in that case. Um, and probably, as we've spoken about before, unless there's going to be Gomez as the backup right back and we still sign another centre-back anyway, then either way, you still need to bring one in extra. Um, Dicker, I, I don't know about him. Uh, Left-back, I'll, I'll leave that one to you because it's only really in the, in the three that I watch him. But I would have quite a number of people ahead of him in my choices. I do kind of understand the idea of signing someone as a uh, Virgil alternative because he has definitely been you know lower performance levels and I think it's right that he should have competition as much as anybody else but I don't think Dick is going to give him that competition really uh, and like you say certainly not in a, in a four anyway uh, it's not the worst and if you know, you've spoken about for example doing this sort of four men Climb with one fullback tucked in and the other one pushes forward. There, there are those possibilities if Indica plays on the left hand side and it becomes a three, then. But I'm not expecting that it will be a sea change in defensive tactics like that on and off the ball for us next season. So I don't initially see that that's a, a goer. No, I don't think so either. And I mean, you know, if you were doing that, there'd be quite a few who'd be above him in terms of who you'd want. Um, and I don't just mean the likes of Guardiola, you know, Hincapier would be a better fit, Nashio would be a better fit, they're both significantly better players as well. Uh, Levi Colwell would be, for me, be perfect. But, you know, if we're going to focus on one Chelsea player, unfortunately it'll be Mount, who I, who I really like, but Colwell would be the better get for us. And you'd be buying potentially Virgil's successor as well, because there's no question that in a couple of years he could slot into that middle role next to Ibu and make it his own, and that's your long-term pairing moving forward. Um, uh, and it to me just it, it reeks of cutting corners, is what it does. It reeks of cutting corners, and there's no logical sense to a move like that because, like you are, despite the fact I think it's what's best for the team to change the left back because I don't think Robertson's been good for eighteen months. And I, that's the kind of left-back I'd look to bring in, someone more defensive to make you stronger at the back, to enable you to push Trent forward. I don't think Jürgen's going to change. Firstly, I don't think he'll drop Robbo, because Robbo's part of that 
group that he's just very, very loyal to. And secondly, I don't think he'll change the tactical approach. I think if he was replacing Robbo, he'd look for someone who's very similar to Robbo. Um, we might as well talk then about City. And we have no Calvin Ramsey, no Bacetic, no Thiago, no Gomez. Uh, Luis Diaz is back in training, but I wouldn't expect that he will play this weekend. Darwin should be back, and Costas is out as well because he got hurt playing for playing for Greece. So we're missing a number of players. Um, City will have no Phil Foden. He had his appendix removed, so he's going to be out probably for up to a month. Uh, and Erling Haaland is a doubt. Now, there's two ways to look at this Haaland thing, Carl. Number one, I never trust. When Pep says, oh, he's unlikely to play, I, I just assume that they'll play because that's how things have gone with Guardiola over the years. But number two, I do kind of fear that a bit more without Haaland because I think when they play with Haaland, as, as devastating as he can be, if it doesn't click early in games for him, it can be like they're playing with 10 men because he doesn't offer anything off the ball. Defensively, he's a complete non-entity. And I feel like when things don't click, they try to force it to him a bit much and other players defer on good shooting opportunities to try and find him. We've seen Jack Grealish, De Bruyne, uh, Matt Less so Mares because he's got a huge ego and is more than happy to back himself. But at times, Mares, Bernardo, Gundigan, we've seen them all this season pass up really good shooting opportunities to try and find the ball to Haaland that's not necessarily there. And it feels a little bit like that's kind of from coming from the manager, like we've got to get Erling involved, you know, feed the big man. So I do feel like when he's not there, they just kind of look like a better, more cohesive team. Now, not having Foden is a huge blow, but they still have eons of talent. So, what would your preference be? That Haaland plays half-fit, or that Haaland doesn't play at all? Or, or a fully-fit Haaland? Like, what, what version of City would you prefer to face as Liverpool? Um, on no planet would I prefer to face a fully-fit Haaland over a half-fit Haaland. Put it that way. That doesn't make any sense. Um, half fit Haaland or fully fit World Cup winning Julian Alvarez. I'd prefer to play the half fit one. Um, I mean, you can imagine in that case it's not going to be for the whole game anyway. But yeah, I would always go for the not fully fit player because we've seen a billion times what not fully fit players play like compared to what they're capable of. Um, Yes, most notable one, Harry Kane, Champions League final, for example. It's obviously not a game of that kind of magnitude, but Liverpool v Man City should be pretty big normally. And uh, I, I would rather play someone who's not as mobile as they can be, not quite going to put in the, the sprints that they could do, or whatever it is, you know, in, in any case, rather than someone who's going to do all the extra work because they're not usually the starter. If I'm being honest... I reckon this might be a game that Pep goes with both of them anyway. Is Alvarez maybe from the right, Haaland through the middle, and Grealish or Bernardo potentially on the left? Because yeah. Bernardo can drop back into midfield and give them an extra body, along with what I assume will be De Bruyne, 
Rodri and Gundogan. But yeah, I mean, they've, got, they've, they've got options, let's be fair. So. I would rather they had Haaland, even if he's fully fit, than have Alvarez and lots of movement. Because I think movement has caused us more problems than sort of that central focus this season. Like, when we played City at Anfield, Haaland was fully fit and did nothing in the game. Gomez was really good on the day. Virgil was exceptional on the day. And they didn't cause any problems. And when I watched them play without Haaland, I do just start to get flashbacks of watching them turning defences inside out and moving people around and having runners from everywhere. And they look a lot more fluid. So I think if it was a straight... Like, even though there's no question Haaland is a better player than Alvarez, I feel like we've got, in Virgil and Ibu, we've got two of those rare centre-backs that, that matches up really well with Haaland. Has the physicality, the size, and the, the, the speed to deal with them. I... I I kind of feel like even if Haaland is fit, I'd rather if they play him than play without him and and go back to doing what they did the last two seasons, which was just perpetual motion and attack. Uh, Yeah, I mean, again, I think we have to go back to what we were saying about Liverpool this season reserving the better performances for the better teams. You're going to need that whoever starts here. Whoever starts in the attacking positions, whoever starts up front... Um, you need the centre-backs to be basically absolutely on their game in terms of the crosses and the second balls and the runners in behind above all else. We did, when we played home, play a much, much compact, more narrow defence and midfield line against them. Yep. Fabinho, obviously, probably up until that point, had his best game of the season. Maybe even since then, to be fair. Yeah. Um, so and were brilliant that day. Yeah, so uh, the, the, the exact same is going to be required again in that let's say, 20-metre space in and around the edge of the penalty box. If, if you're anything less than brilliant for that, it doesn't matter who Man City start, and they're going to get at least three, four chances. Mm. The big threat with City as well is, is not just the front line. It's, it's the two who arrive behind them. It's because we see City over and over and over again, these automated moves that they have built into their minds. Get it wide, cut it back. And De Bruyne and Gundogan just come onto those balls. And if our midfielders are not right on it and are not, you know, in the right places at the right time, they're going to have loads of space to pick those balls up on the edge of the area. And they can shoot first time. They can look for that secondary pass between the line. That's where City really worry me this time. Because we set up to play in that home game in a very different way to anything Klopp has done before or since. That was, you know, that was a very Diego Simeone-esque setup from Klopp. Flat four, flat four in front, but with the left winger as the outlet, and then a one and one up front. And we were able to just limit the space they had to play in, and we were able to limit any cutbacks or any low crosses by being more switched on, more disciplined, and more compact. Didn't give them space to play in. We don't have Thiago in this game. Fabinho has... He's had a lot more bad games than good games this season. I think that's fair to say. He's had a couple of better games recently. 
But he's one that always struggles coming off a couple of weeks off. And he's now had a couple of weeks off. So that worries me. Um, relying on Henderson to be disciplined always worries me. I have no earthly idea who the third midfielder will be. I have a feeling he might go Harvey Fabinho Henderson, which that's Henderson trying to chase Kevin De Bruyne around. That's not ending well for us at all. There's a lot to look forward to here. There is. There is loads to look forward to. <laughs> um, if we if we assume if we assume their lineup is Edison Walker at right back, he's got a weird fetish for a kanji this year. So say a kanji and Diaz with Aki at left back. Let's just assume he doesn't try that fucking stupid three two four one thing. Let's say he goes with a more usual four three three. Walker, Akanji, Diaz, Aki, Kevin De Bruyne, Rodri, Gundogan. Let's say he goes Alvarez, Haaland, and either Grealish or Bernardo. What way do you think is best for Liverpool to line up? Is it better to try and match them? Is it better to do what we did in the home game and play that more solid, compact, back-to-the-wall type and look to hit them on the counter? Yeah, I would, because we haven't shown that we can do anything else. Not consistently, you know. In the game, right. in the United game, <clears throat> it's important to remember we'd been opened up a couple of times before the goal and goals mm. started to go in. Um, we had been... They dominated, but we had sort of lost out a bit of possession battle for a good 15 minutes or so. Um, you know, there's, there's been games where we've been really good on the ball, but not defensively good. And the games where we have been defensively purposely tighter, we've not really had the bounce going forward, but we haven't necessarily lost those matches, or at least they've been close. So, I mean, it goes again to what you really value in terms of this season what Liverpool have got left to fight for. It's only the top four now. Would away to Man City a point as, as stupidly small time as this sounds? Would away to Man City be a point, sorry, a point away to Man City be a decent result that we have to fight for? Or do you go for it and pretend you're still good this season and try to win the match? I, I, don't I think know. a point is a good result. Yeah, I, I, I don't do. know how smart it would be. So, uh, no, I would but... compact and narrow and just accept the fact that City have won 11 out of 13 at home this season, they mm-hmm. they can seed, you know, a goal a game and a little bit more, but they also score like four goals a game at home and I think you have to respect that at this moment in time if you're Liverpool because we've won three times away from home this season. Yeah, yeah, we have been atrocious away from home this season and, you know, defensively we're not nearly what we were, going forward we're not nearly what we were and most of that stems from the fact that the defence doesn't get enough cover from midfield, and the forwards don't get enough support from midfield. So, um... Southampton, who are bottom, and Leicester, who are terrible, have both won more away games than us this season. Yeah. That's how bad we've been. Yeah. It hasn't been pretty. We, hasn't we been scored pretty at all. an average of one goal away from home. <laughs> well, that's promising, isn't it? Promising. Leicester yeah, 22. Heading into a team... It's average a bunch of goals at home, yeah. knowing we might get one. Um, 
Right, so what would you look to do if you're a club? Are you going... Right, I'm Abby's going. Obviously... Yeah, Alison in goal. Mm-hmm. And Kelleher. And Adrian. <laughs> uh, I'm bringing Big Nat into anchor the defence alongside Van Dijk and Kanate and Trent and Robertson and Costa Simicas. How many have I got left? Two. No, one. That's, I think that's one. ten. Allah. She's put more up front, hope for the best. Just just I'll, chase I'll those for, lost I'll, calls as well. I'll go for Darwin <laughs> instead of Adrian. He's not going to do much anyway, is he? So I'll go for Darwin. Yes, we'll two, yeah, two goalkeepers, seven at the back, yeah. two up front. Okay. Fuck the midfield, because it, it doesn't deserve anything else. Yeah, I'm but, but, Premier League, my friend, and the fact that we tried to play two goalkeepers, and they might <laughs> insist that either Callagher or, or, or Ali... Uh, don't use their hands, and I don't think they'll allow us a last man back scenario. <laughs> so, <laughs> Ali goal. Milner played really well in the home game at right back. Would you go Milner? Or would you go Trent? Would you go Milner? I'm, I'm stunned. This is where we've gone first. <laughs> do you know what I might do? I might play both of them. One ahead of the other. Yeah, I might just double up. I, I mean, I, I would go four four two again. I might put Milner in the role that Harvey played in the home game. Just after to give me 45 minutes of, of graft and kicking people. If I can get the half-time at nil-nil or, you know, one-nil down, then I can look to bring on somebody who can actually, you know, do something. I, I think we'll have to go for the uh, nil-nil of those two options, to be honest. Um, I think it's quite important Liverpool get to half-time without conceding if we want stuff out of this game, to be honest. Mm. You try and chase Man City and they will just put balls over the top, even for a half-fit Haaland to get on to. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, so, Ibu and Virgil are no-brainers, obviously, and Robbo will yeah. start. So, friend Ibu, Virgil, Robbo. Right, we need four in midfield then. And I have a sum total of none zero Liverpool midfielders that I would want to play in this game. Yeah. Um, it's got to be Henderson and Fabinho in the middle. Yeah. Milner on the right. Yeah. I know um, it's my suggestion, but Jesus Christ. And... Do you want to go Elliot left? I don't know. Oh, God. No, I think will the left... We, will we, I think the we'll left do what we normally do. We do what we normally do when we get to this point and say ox right mid. Because yeah. it sounds a bit better. Ox, if only if only the fella could stay fit and, and actually do stuff when he gets on the pitch. Because uh, he, like it is, it's 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 the ox profile or, or what ox could have been yeah, profile. That's what you'd want in front of Trent there. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Milner, Fabinho, Henderson... And I think Darwin plays left wing. Okay. And then either Bobby or Jota plays behind Mo. Oh, okay. You're not even having Gakpo this this time. Oof. Yeah, well, yeah, actually, no, yeah, to be fair. Gakpo behind Mo. Yeah, Gakpo behind Mo. Darwin left, Gakpo behind Mo. Would you go for Jota on the right-hand side for the <sighs> Milner-esque work rate, but with some agility movement? Trust the pace. I would. I think he. I think he'd do the role. I think he. He hasn't scored in a year. 
<laughs> Milner has surprised as much of a goal thread. Um, there might be a penalty to be taken somewhere. I might go with that, actually. I'm going to go Jota, Fabinho, Henderson, Darwin. It wouldn't be the first time he's gone to the Etihad and played a front four. He did it, was it two years ago? Yeah, two. Was it last year? I don't need a VPN. I've got nothing to hide. <laughs> this is what I used to tell myself before I hooked up with LibertyShield.com. Not only is my home internet now fully encrypted, but I can now access all the websites I want, whenever I want, and do so from absolutely anywhere. As a Liverpool fan, I love to know I can now watch every match, regardless of whether it's on UK TV or not. My Liberty Shield VPN makes sure nothing is blocked and guarantees me super-fast streaming speed throughout that match. You can get connected right now with their software package, which includes a 48-hour no-obligation free trial and instant access to their apps for Apple, Android, Fire TV, PC, Mac and Android TV. Or go a step further like I have and get one of their pre-configured VPN routers. These small but powerful devices allow you to easily connect every device in your home to VPN, making it the perfect solution for smart TVs, Mac boxes and games consoles. Visit LibertyShield.com today and use coupon code AIVPN25 to get 25% off at checkout. Was it the COVID year? It was the COVID year. We, we, when was that? He played Jota and Mane wide and Mo and Bobby through the middle. It was the, the season after the stoppage, wasn't it? Cause yeah, so there was, the, year. the year there was no fans in the stands for most of the year. Yeah. Um, and then they hammered us They hammered us at Anfield. Because we had Henderson at centre-back. Um, yeah, I just, like... I would get on board with it, with Jota one side, Darwin the other, and Akbo and Mo. The issue then is you're you're asking Fabinho to do an an awful lot of defensive work. They will be asking Fabinho to do an awful lot of defensive work, regardless of who else. We yeah, but now he's doing all the defensive work by himself in this scenario because you just know the other fella is not going to be disciplined. He's not going to sit in. He's not going to hold the tactical plan. Is going to go and try and press centre backs from forty yards away, get nowhere near them, and get played around as if he wasn't there. Because that's just what he does. It doesn't matter what position you play him in. We played him at centre back one day in that twenty twenty one season. I think it was Leicester. Was it Leicester away? Him and Quebec, and he was trying to press Johnny Evans at one point or whoever was playing centre back for them. Like, he just, he is so attracted to the ball, it's not even funny. It's its the main reason I think that we've always stuck with a three, is because he just can't play in a two. He's just such a liability defensively. If, he's, if he was willing to just do what he was told, and not move outside of a small box, that'd be fine. But I just... I do worry about what it's going to, what it will will look like when City attack us on a counter, and we've got four guys the wrong side of the ball, and they're swarming at us, and we've only got Fabinho in midfield trying to hold things together with sticky tape. Four guys the wrong side of the ball. Yeah. Are you suggesting that we'll have improved in this international break? 
No, we'll be worse. That they'll be the wrong side of the ball, not yeah, turning around. Yeah, must be five or six of them then. So oh, that's a good point. Them. That's a good point. Well, Trent or Robbo will absolutely be the wrong end of the pitch. Probably Robbo. At least he'll run back. At least him and Darwin will run back. The Gakbo doesn't really track all that well. And if Mo's playing as the nine, you're not going to be asking him to track. So at least you'll have Darwin and, and Robbo tearing back down. The problem is they're coming back down the same side. Trent's going to be like 3v1 on the other side. Well. How has it got to this, Carl? How has it got to this? A year ago, we were looking at a potential quadruple. I'm wondering if we could possibly dare to dream about it. And now we're struggling to make top four. I have no new words to answer this. (laughs) Here's the question for you. Is this game more of a must win for us or for them? I agree. We're away, they're at home, they're chasing a title with... Shit. Battling a managerless Spurs for fourth. And Eddie Howe's Newcastle. Yeah, but I think we'll overhaul Newcastle anyway. Eddie Howe's... Carl, it's not about whether we overhaul them or not. <laughs> we are battling with Eddie Howe's Newcastle. Yes. <laughs> we are behind them. We're five points behind them in the league. With the same number of games played. We've lost five matches more than they have. Yes, and conceded ten goals more than them. Outrageously bad. Outrageous. How bad can this weekend get? If we draw or lose... Well, Brighton play Brentford this weekend. So if we lose and they draw, they'll both go above us. But otherwise, hopefully, one of them knocks the other one off. We'll have a little less you know, hot breath on the back of our neck. Um... <laughs> They're the team you'd like to see get fourth, and it's not going to be us. Just because it'd be so different. And because they're not, obviously, owned by blood money. But, uh, oh, Lord, what a mess. Right, um, I I just don't want to talk about this anymore, Carl. What is your prediction for this game? Eh, hold on a second. Am I allowed to do a prediction before I go in on one? Oh, Lisa Marie is in the chat. We'll, we'll, We'll leave it to her. I don't think it matters anymore. We're just shit. Well, that's the thing. That is the thing. No I, predictions I for Carl. Give me one anyway. Give me oh, one anyway. My prediction is 4-0 to Man City. Oh, oh you've stolen my thunder. I was <laughs> going to say 3-0 to Man City. I thought you were going to say, oh, we'll go there, we'll scrape a draw. And I was going to say, no, we won't. We'll, we're going to get pumped 3-0. And you go the other way then and say we pull off a shock win. Oh, because I have absolutely no belief that we'll do that. <laughs> I have no belief at all in this team's ability to go there. However, I do think that when we play Arsenal in, our, in a week, I think we can beat them at home, even though they've oh, yeah. been better than City all season. It's yeah, a 4.30 kickoff and it's at home, and I think we'll beat them. Yeah, we beat Arsenal, no problem. That's already written in stone. If we lost to City, went and beat Chelsea and then beat Arsenal, I think that's a good week. 
if we can yeah. win two of the three, I think that's a good... As bad as Chelsea are, it's still away, and they're still Chelsea. If you take six points out of these nine, you absolutely take it for where we are right now. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, two wins out of three in any run of fixtures this season is about as good as it's got. So, of course, we would take that. And then we go Leeds away, Forest home. They're both games we should win. Yeah, we kind of have to win out from that point. Yeah. Yeah. It's tough games, though, like Leeds battling relegation. Forest should be easy, but they're still battling relegation. West Ham battling relegation. Spurs is going to be huge on the, the 30th of April. Uh, then Fulham, who may still be without Mitrovic at that point. Brentford, Leicester, Villa and Southampton on the final day. Away with them potentially battling for their survival. Like, it's not an easy run-in at all. No. It, it should have been. Not, not these three games. But that last nine... That should have been fairly straightforward for us to run through the field, to go to Ellen Road and win, to batter Forest, to go down and beat West Ham, to beat Spurs at home, to beat Fulham at home, to beat Brentford at home. Three home games in a row is nice. But then obviously away to Leicester, home to Villa. Away to... We, should have, we should have been running the table those last nine games and taking home a Premier League title. And instead we have completely fucked ourselves and... From these 12 games, 3, 6, 9, 12, 13, 14, 17, 20, 21. I, I, I have us taking 26 points. 26 points? 26 Puts points. on 68 for the season. There's not a chance. 68, right. So let me just go no through the others. Everton, Tottenham will beat Everton. I think they beat Brighton home, they beat Bournemouth. That's nine. They'll lose to Newcastle. I think they can get a draw with United. That's ten. The draw with us, eleven. Beat Palace at home, twelve. Lose at Villa Park, beat Brentford, and beat Tottenham. I have them taking 18 points. You have them taking 20. You gave them one point for a win there. Oh, 20 points. Yeah, so that's that them on up. 69. Yeah. So that puts yeah. them above us at the end of the season. Uh, Newcastle at home to United this weekend. Draw. They beat West Ham. Draw with Brentford. That's five. Beat Villa. That's eight. Draw with Tottenham. No, I said, lose, I said Tottenham would lose to them, didn't I? I think I did. I wouldn't be surprised if we finished sixth. I genuinely wouldn't. I, I don't think we're getting near 70 points this season. No. No, I don't think we are either. But I think like, I think it's going to take 68, 69, 70 points to get fourth. And I just don't think we're capable of it. I mean, that's... We're running at a well below fifty percent win rate for the season at the minute. I don't see it suddenly improving that much. So, no, no, me neither. Uh, so you're going four nil to City. I'm going three one to City. Then I'll go three one. I'll give us a goal, a late consolation, and uh, 
a very, very upset group of gentlemen on Raw this Saturday. It will be myself, Trev, and Mo Chatra in for that game. Uh, starting a busy month for us here with Scouted and Raw. Um, you put the run of games in. So, City on the 1st, Chelsea on the 4th, Arsenal on the 9th, Leeds on the 17th, Forest the 22nd, West Ham the 26th, and Spurs the 30th. And that's basically what we've got. So, um, yeah, that's it's a lot of games in a month. And it's it, it should be more because we should still have European football, but we shit the bed so badly that we don't. Um, yeah. Um, last question before we go, Carl. City away, Chelsea away, Arsenal home, Leeds away, Forest home, West Ham away, Spurs home. Seven games, how many points do we take? In the next seven, this month? Yes. Uh, I'm going to go draw with Chelsea, win over Arsenal, win against Leeds stupid draw somewhere along the line against Forest or West Ham and we beat Spurs so 3, 4 5, 6, 7 8, 9, 10 11 or 12 maybe 12 11 11 points from 7 games that's really really poor that that they don't, I can't even argue with it. So we're going to leave people on that depressed note. <laughs> um, <laughs> You're, welcome. You're welcome. Uh, are you back to work today, tomorrow? When are you back to work and what have you got coming up for people? Uh, I'll be officially back to work tomorrow. Today I'm just doing these for the lovely people listening to uh, our Scouted podcasts. Um, I don't know what's coming up for the weekend, but I think for the Champions League, I've got some Napoli stuff coming out when that comes back, and I don't know what I want to write for Liverpool yet. I'll be at the Chelsea game, and I think West Ham later on in the month as well, so there'll be pieces around those matches. But this weekend, nothing. Lovely stuff, lovely stuff. And if you're looking for any kind of a fix on Formula E, Carl Matchett is now your man, so make sure you get in touch and read his stuff there too. That'll do, folks. Thanks as always. Bye-bye. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.